is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we have a pretty packed show for you guys today. We're going to kick it off with a little bit of a sports piece about the women's basketball versus Air Force game that's coming up. I or believe that already tomorrow. happened. Or already it happened. happened already. So you're going to want to check that out. And then we're going to go to Coda Babcock with local news. And then we're going to hear about a concert that's going to be happening pretty soon from our very own Ju- Julia Battelise. Yes, we are. Lucky enough to have our station manager in the studio today. How you doing, Julia? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. So we're going to be diving into that. We're launching into that, I should say. <laughs> but uh, first, we're going to listen to a small piece by Isaiah Reyes about CSU's women's basketball team versus the Air Force. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. The Colorado State women's basketball team tipped off the Mountain West against a familiar foe in the Air Force Falcons. Early on, it was a three-point barrage led by Brianna Autry of the Falcons who knocked down back-to-back threes to give Air Force the lead that they would never surrender. At the end of the first quarter, CSU failed to register a single assist. It was clear. The lack of ball movement, along with being out-rebounded 17-5, were the dominant factors to being down double digits at the end of the first quarter. I just, I just didn't play well. Um, you know, Air Force really came out in that first quarter and and had a big quarter. I think four point, four three pointers in that first quarter really kind of set the tone. Positive for them, not so positive for us, and um, just could really never get anything going. Ryan Williamson, head coach of Colorado State women's basketball, in regards to the team's slow start. Air Force's Riley Snyder and Brianna Autry were two standouts of the half, registering six points each. For the Rams, the second quarter was more of the same, scoring a total of 15 points through 20 minutes of action. Surprisingly, this was a game of two halves. Personally, I know I got together with the team and I said we have to play together. I think the first half we played very separate and very individualized. And so playing together, that's what got us those really good shots. And um, that's what pushed us, I think, to start to come back. Mackenzie Ellis, guard for Colorado State. Ellis led the Rams on a personal 8-0 run to get the second half of play underway. Unfortunately for the senior guard, her game-high 19 points wasn't enough for the Rams in the end. Kaylin Amell, Emily Conroe, Autry, and Snyder of Air Force all finished in double figures. If you combine all four of their totals, they still outscore the Rams' final score, 53-48. to 48. Air Force's stout defense kept the Rams under 50 points for the fourth time this season, ultimately leading their way to victory with a final score of 60-48. to 48. The Rams will finish the season with a 12-8 record as Air Force will advance to the next round to face off against Boise State on Monday. 490.5 KCSU, I'm Zay Reyes. And that was Isaiah Reyes with Colorado State Women's uh, Basketball versus United States uh, Air Force. Mm-hmm. All righty, and we're going to have a kind of rock-centered show today. Two different kinds of rock, rock. but... <laughs> Yes, it is going to rock. But we did want to ask you a question, and that is, what is your favorite kind of rock? And this is up for interpretation. This could be your favorite kind of stone. could be your favorite kind of music genre. Eddie Van Halen. But only if Ignatius. it's rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ignatius, uh, wait, is Ignatius like a rock, or is that was that like a Mesozoic era? 
Oh. Are you talking about igneous rock? Yeah. What's Ignatius? <laughs> I don't think that's a I, rock. I was going to let you slide by because I thought it was a band. <laughs> igneous rock is volcanic rock. What's? I feel like Ignatius is something. I don't know. It sounds like like tenacious. Like tenacious D. No idea. Yeah, that's Um, what I was thinking. That's what I thought. That's That's also what I was thinking. thinking. See, I was thinking of a different Jack Black movie. For a second, I was like, wait, wasn't that his love interest in Nacho Libre? (laughs) No, that's Incarnacy. Okay, anyway. (laughs) So, but go ahead and text us what your favorite kind of rock. So it could be your favorite rock band, could be your favorite kind of rock. Uh, Go ahead and text that at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278. But we'll go ahead and start it around the room. So, Max, what is your favorite kind of rock? Um, My favorite kind of rock is a solid bedrock for building something great, just like KCSU's new website, where you can actually watch our live stream directly on the front page. If you want to, you can go to KCSU FM right now and look at all of our beautiful faces. I'm staring directly in the webcam. Not mine. Hello, world. Except for Julia's. She's on the other side. But... Uh, yeah, check it out. Some good, solid bedrock for a beautiful website. Wow. What about you, Ren? That was so smooth. Um, I do not have a good uh, message to go with mine. I'm a big 80s rock kind of girl, so Aerosmith is my jam. Um, I love David Bowie, but if we're talking about stones, I love me a good opal. I've been told that opal's technically not a Opalites. stone. Opalite is not a stone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be my answer. How about you, Coda? My favorites are probably either Tiger's Eye or Bloodstone for mm. the actual rocks, but I was a geology major, so I just appreciate all feldspars. They're better than any other type of rock. Mm. I like opal because that's my birthstone, um, and I also like punk rock. Heck Very yeah. fun. All right. <laughs> so we are going to do some local news with our very own local news reporter, Coda Babcock. Take it away. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is local news for Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. Today is the last day to vote in the Democratic Party's primary election if you're registered to vote in the state of Colorado. Voting ends at 7 p.m. tonight, and you can either drop off your ballot or vote in person. Ballot drop-off locations in Fort Collins include the Lori Student Center at ZSEO the Harmony, and the Harmony Library inside of Front Range Community College. Voting locations include the, the in-person voting locations include the Durrell Center at 950 West Plum Street and the Front Range Community College campus at 4616 South Shield Street in Fort Collins. You can also either vote in person or drop off a ballot at the southwest entrance of the Larimer County Courthouse at 200 West Oak Street. A section of I-25 in Loveland will be closing for demolition of the Larimer County Road 20 bridge from 9 p.m. on Saturday, March 7th until 10 a.m. on Sunday. The bridge reconstruction project is part of CDOT's I-25 North Express Lanes project. The county road bridge crosses over the interstate currently. It will close on 7 a.m. Saturday and won't reopen until August of this year. Northbound traffic will detour east on Colorado Highway 402 through Weld County Road 13 and then west through US 34. Southbound traffic detours east on US 34 south through Weld County Road 13 and then will go west through Colorado Highway 402. The Fort Collins Museum of Discovery, home of the Otterbox Dome Theater, just hired Laura Valdez to serve in a co-executive director position alongside current executive director Cheryl Donaldson. Valdez moved to Fort Collins recently after acting as the assistant city manager of Elgin, Illinois, and the Museum of Discovery is a result of the partnership between the Museum of Fort Collins and the Discovery Science Center. And in addition to educational projects, they also do experimental events and immersive concert experiences. A new bill has been passed by the House Public Health Care and Human Services Committee that aims to positively change interactions with people facing mental health and substance abuse crises and the officers attending to their situations. Current protocol includes handcuffing people in crisis while in transportation via ambulance or law enforcement vehicle. This response often exacerbates crises and creates a worse stigma surrounding mental health. 
in addition to often traumatizing those in need of assistance. Using ambulances and police vehicles for mental health response in rural areas can also leave areas with no emergency response vehicles. House Bill 20-1284 aims to save taxpayer money and change how the state handles mental health crisis situations by establishing a new transportation framework that decreases chances of situation escalation and prioritizes the well-being of the people in need of these services. That's all for today's local news. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU Fort Collins. Thank you, Coda. Of course. Alrighty, we're going to move right along and talk a little bit with Julia Battelis about Get Launched. Get Launched is a very exciting concert that KCSU is putting on. But uh, I know we did say we were going to have uh, Sarah Rathburn on, who is a fluvial geomorphology professor at Colorado State. And we will after our next break. So make sure you stick around for that one. It's going to be lots of fun. But in the meantime, Julia, welcome. Hi. Um, I am super excited to talk about Get Launched. This is the second year that KCSU and Launch has done this concert. Um, last year it was on, I believe, March 8th. And this year it's going to be on Friday the 13th, which Ooh, is super exciting. So we're going to have fun. some, um, we are encouraging people to come in their Halloween costumes, dressed up, um, get ready for a really fun night of local bands uh, that were handpicked by KCSU DJs and volunteers. I'm stoked. Um, Those guys have great taste. Oh, we do. Um, we so basically what we had was um, we had two days um, with two different times that people could come in as well as a digital voting form. Um, so our DJs, even if they couldn't make it, they could um, vote online, listen to all of the bands. We had so many submissions this year. So last year we had 23 submissions. That's already um, a lot. Already a lot. But this year we almost doubled it um at around i want to say about 38 submissions um and then a few that got in somehow last minute um (laughs) after the deadline had already passed um and we were super excited we had so many awesome genres um the mission of this concert is to give a voice to local bands of northern colorado and represent the variety of genres that kcsu proudly represents every single day um and so we got to we got solidified mystic eye which is kind of like hip-hop alternative um i think it's kind of like a solo project um and then we have glass cases um they i am forgetting what their their genre is off the top of my head um and then we also have the nova kicks um so i think we have some some grunge some punk rock in there a little bit of everything a little bit of everything a little bit alternative and hip-hop and stuff like that so um we're really pumped for the concert it is coming up really soon yeah it is um not this friday but next friday we are going to be hosting that concert at launch indoor skate park um tickets right now are set seven dollars um and then at the door there'll be ten so um yeah it's gonna be really cool um it's gonna be super spooky we have some fun little things some little gifts that people can get at the door um you'll have to find out when you get there but uh hint they're glow in the dark so that's my favorite kind of gift (laughs) um yeah Um, so we're we're pumped about it. What? I'm curious about this because actually, I I, yeah. I I don't know the answer to this. It's a problem for some. Yeah. Uh, will there be skating involved? There will sadly not be skating, but that ah, is because boom. there's not enough room in there for bands to be playing, a crowd to be enjoying, um, yeah, and that, also a place to skate. Now that I say it, that doesn't sound safe. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, launch launch uh, skate park isn't super super big. Um, where what we do is on the inside, there's the bowl, of yeah. course, where people normally skate, and then they have like kind of like a little ramp on the side too. So that. That ramp on the side is going to be where you can buy merch um, from KCSU, from the bands, if they have any, um, which I think a couple of them do, um, and then probably launch merch as well. Um, 
Launch and KCSU are both nonprofits, so it's really great to be able to. I mean, not like money, not not like a ton of money is made from this event. It really sure. is mostly for the bands and to help support the local community, um, local music scene, and we love local music. We play it like four times an hour at least. So, um, yeah. yeah. So um, we are encouraging people to skate to the venue, to bike to the venue, to carpool to the venue because um, parking is limited, but. Um, yeah, uh, sadly no skating in the actual uh, vicinity, but that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> so do the bands play in the, and forgive me for not knowing my skating terminology, mm-hmm. do they play in um, the, the bowl? bowl? The bowl? Yes, they okay. play in the bowl, which is pretty cool. <laughs> cool. Um, and then we'll have decorations around as well. Uh, we still need to order those, though. So. <laughs> so say you're listening right now and you're a big KCSU fan. Of course. Do you think there's a chance you can meet your favorite DJ and get launched? Possibly. Um, I will be there. And if you listen to my show on Fridays for the last four years, um, I'm DJ <laughs> Silent G. And we also have, um, I believe, DJ Monterey is going to be there. Oh, yeah. um, MC Asher. I've heard DJ Squeegee um, might make an appearance. He's a very <laughs> mysterious character. Um, DJ St. Clair, I believe, will also be there. Um, DJ Monster Truck Hannah, of course, would Ooh. never miss it. Um, so, yeah, we have... Some some DJs that'll be, um, I think, I'm, oh, I forget his DJ name, so I'm not even going to say it. Um, <laughs> Icy Fresh? No, that's, no. that's Ben, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, it'll be really cool. Um, I'm super excited about it. We still do have some tickets, but they are going to go quick. So you're wanna gonna you're going to want to get your tickets at kcsufm.com. They're only $7, pretty cheap. Um, and so. you can watch us do our show while you get yes. your tickets on the live stream. You yes. can stare at our pretty faces and <laughs> buy some tickets um, and, yes. and come meet us in real life. Yes, please get, please get your tickets. It's going to be such a fun show. Um, and you're going to, oh, one thing I almost forgot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so we already did an interview with the Nova Kicks. DJ Monterey did that. Um, and it's on our website. So if you want to check that out before the show see what they're about stuff like that um i am also going to be hosting alex from glass cases this friday on my show from 5 to 7 p.m um so you're not going to want to miss that i think he's going to do a little bit of an acoustic set we're going to play a couple glass cases songs get a taste of what's going to be at get launched that sounds like a real emotional roller coaster oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yes it sure will be on my show the emotional roller coaster fridays 5 to 7 p.m um so yeah don't miss that if you want to get some taste of what get launch is going to be like and definitely pick up your tickets right now kcsufm.com right on thank you so much julia yeah thanks for having me all right that has been julia battleese our station manager yeah all righty and you're gonna want to stay tuned because right after this break that we're about to take we're gonna have sarah rathburn um on the show and then after that we're gonna have our very own rylan todd with campus news and we're gonna close out the show as we regularly do with a little bit of national day news and some weather so you're gonna want to stay tuned for that right after the break Yep, and don't forget, we do have that question. Sarah Rathburn is a fluvial geomorphologist, which is something about rocks. We're going to learn more from her about what that means. But in the meantime, we're trying to find out what's your favorite kind of rock. Is it music? Is it physical? Let us know. 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-KCSU. We'll be right back. This is the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Max Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we want to ask you that question once again about what your favorite rock is. If it's classic rock, if it's uh, soft rock, well, you can go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. And we've got a couple new people in the studio, so we want to <laughs> go good. ahead and ask them that question as well. So our reporter, Rylan Todd, what is your favorite kind of rock? Well, I love music, so I'm going to have to go with classic rock, but... 
All righty. And then we have an expert in the studio, actually. Yes, Professor Sarah Rathburn, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. We're a pleasure is all ours. What's your favorite kind of rock? Well, I'm going to give you two answers here. My favorite kind of rock, rock, geology rock, is granite, and you can't take it for granite. Oh, good one. <laughs> but I also like hard rock. Me too. I'm curious, why is granite your favorite rock? Well, it's very prevalent around here, and it is the composition of a sort of average continental crust. Awesome. Good well, question. that's a good answer. <laughs> good answer. I said good question. All righty. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with you. Um, so you're a fluvial geomorphologist, and that's a big word. <laughs> I had a little bit of trouble through it, but what does that mean? Fluvial geomorphology is a discipline that studies rivers and how they shape the landscape. So I am a geologist, but my research focus is rivers and what happens when a lot of water and sediment move through them. So where do you study in Colorado? Which rivers? I'm fortunate to be a fluvial geomorphologist in Colorado because I get to study in a lot of mountain rivers. So right now I have a student working up along the South Fork of the Cache River at the mountain campus. I've also worked on the main stem, Cache the upper Colorado in Rocky Mountain National Park, and the North St. Brain that flows from the park down through Lyons. Nice. Okay. So take us a little bit through your research process. Well, I... I'm fortunate also that I do a lot of my research in the field. So I'm a field-based geologist, and that means going out and actually collecting process-level data of flow and sediment transport. So I care how much water's flowing in rivers. I care the types of sediment that's moving and how much. So I spend a lot of time in waders, and I spend a lot of time in rivers, pretty much from prior to snowmelt to after snowmelt. Do you have any good stories, stuff that happened to the river? <laughs> I have lots of good stories. But only, mostly they're about um, getting wet and <laughs> cold and rivers overtopping my waders. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so it's exciting. And I um, work with excellent graduate students who also enjoy being outside, being in rivers. And being wet and cold is okay with them. Right on. That's good because it sounds like that's pretty common in your line of work. It is. Studying rivers is just uh, there's there's a lot of water. There's a lot of water, and it comes um, uh, in all places when you're trying to make measurements. Absolutely. So I'm curious, uh, what are you looking for? What kind of things can we learn from studying river sediments? What my discipline is, is I call it disturbance geomorphology, and colleagues have called me a disturbed geomorphologist <laughs> as a result. But I really care about how rivers respond to disturbances like floods, fires, and mass movements, and how this large influx of sediment processes gets processed through the river so how it changes its form does it widen does it increase in in depth does it um, meander more and then how it recovers so lots of what i do is also looking at the resilience of landforms to be able to and of river systems to be able to absorb disturbances gotcha and how do these disturbances in your opinion affect the natural wildlife population in those areas so the disturbances fundamentally often change the river corridor. So they can, um, but that can be a good thing because lots of different species, like you know, particular plants, are disturbance dependent. Um, but it, there'll be a short-term um, disruption and erosion that takes place that might rip up a bunch of vegetation that could have been bird habitat. It introduces some sediment that may be for fish habitat. But in general, the more complex a river is and the more 
diverse its form and the riparian corridor complexity, the better it's able to absorb those disturbances. So it's a nice kind of feedback that you want river systems that are complex and that they're they're full, diverse ecosystems, and they can absorb these pulses of sediment that come through, be it a fire or a flood. And what happens if they can't? If they can't, then they just they they route it through, and it turns out that they get to be more like a conduit that just transports sediment and water very rapidly and increases um, some of the the um, sort of resulting effects of those disturbances. And is that how, say, like over long periods of time, like erosion takes place with this kind of quicker? Uh, I'm, I'm not a geologist. Clearly. No, I, I know what you're asking. You know, so this is a really good question. I mean, we we think about how these really rapid events that are infrequent shape the landscape relative to the slow water and sediment moving every day. And it turns out disturbances in this climate, they're really big, and they give us lots of change to the river corridor in that they'll, they'll, they'll do what we call sort of hundreds of years of work over time. You know, a four-day period. That's like the 2013 flood introduced hundreds of years of erosional products from hill slopes into river systems. Awesome. Alrighty, and just another question: Why mountain rivers? Why is that what your focus on study is? I think I've been drawn to mountain rivers because the steep gradient that drives the processes um, end up being a little bit more challenging to work in. And they respond very rapidly. So it turns out, I mean, I started my PhD dissertation work in steep gradient rivers, and I've kind of continued that, though the effects of um, within the mountain river corridor certainly are important for downstream river environments also. just happens that I tend to be up in the headwaters where um, everything, everything starts. It's sort of the start of the signal of water and sediment that moves downstream. So I'm curious, you mentioned your PhD dissertation, and um, I'm, I'd love to know how, not only did you decide to get into this field and what uh, inspired you to get into this field, but what was the process like? How did you qualify? You're clearly very, very knowledgeable about this. Well, thank you. I got interested in geology a little bit, you know, sort of peripherally, because I it took me a while to realize I liked math and science in high school, and I should just pursue that in college. So a couple of false starts for majors, I ended up taking a geology class and saying, oh my gosh, I think I could get paid to actually hike around outside and look at the landscape. And then I, I, I ended up getting a job with the U.S. Geological Survey right after my bachelor's in geology, and I worked with people working on rivers. And so that w opened up my eyes to watersheds as landforms that are really important to shaping the landscape that we see today. And then it just I kept going back to school and often it was because I would hit some bit of a, a ceiling at a job and I wanted my manager's position and that person <laughs> had more degrees and so it sent me back to school and just being curious in the landscape it was pretty easy to continue on and, and then get a doctorate. Ryland Todd has a question for you. Yeah, I had a question for you. Um, wh what made you come to CSU and like start uh, being a professor here? So I actually did my PhD at CSU, and I um, feel very fortunate that a position opened up and I applied for it and I was hired. Um, and part of that is I, CSU is a fabulous science program and is school in general, and to teach geology with this background natural laboratory. I feel so fortunate. It's really, really very easy to get students 
absolutely hooked on geology and river systems here. So that was a little bit of a, um, a surprise that I didn't expect to be able to stay here doing my, my dissertation and my PhD work. But yeah, I, I have, and I'm feeling really grateful. I'm grateful for it every day. You could say it's the right conglomerate of factors. It's the right <laughs> conglomerate of factors. Exactly. So I am a little curious. Um, because you talked about going back to school several times, and it is a little bit of a personal question, but I am curious about what degrees you have. Yeah, that's fine. So I have a bachelor's of science in geology. I have a master's of science in geosciences, and my PhD was in earth resources. Gotcha. Um, so we're about to ask some, some more deep questions, but I do have a funny one for you before we okay. dive into I can these take deep it. questions. So whenever I think about fluvial geomorphology, can you guess what I'm about to say? <laughs> Yes. I think of South Park <laughs> because Randy Marsh is a fluvial geomorphologist exactly and right. he uh, is, you know, kind of the driving force of South Park nowadays. And he's absolutely hilarious and kind of how he approaches his job and everything's really funny. But do you think that that, uh, that association between geology and specifically fluvial <laughs> geomorphology and South Park has kind of changed the way the public perceives what you do? Because I, I know it affects how I see fluvial geomorphology. I think probably. So this is there's really some truth is that... Um, um, uh, Trent's dad is a geologist huh. from, and he worked at the U.S. Geological Survey, and he studied river systems. That's hilarious. So it is hilarious. So he really did figure it on his father's um, profession and career. So what I like to take away from that is that people actually know what fluvial geomorphology is now, yeah. and they used to not. And um, it's very funny, the the depiction in South Pork. And so, <laughs> so, so I don't mind, and I can just segue that into, okay, let's talk about really what we do. <laughs> and not, not what Randy Marsh is exactly. doing. <laughs> exactly. All righty. So let's talk a little bit about what you really do. Um, and kind of like Max was saying, a little bit of a deeper, wider scale question. Um, how do you feel that climate change has affected your research? It's a That's a great question. And... and I'd directly look at that by looking at disturbances. So we are in a state of very much more increased climate variability. And with that variability means we get these extremes of floods in September 2013 after seven days of rain. And so I'm looking less at the drivers of those climate change and more of the processes that result. So I think about it a lot. And, and in particular, my research tries to always have an applied bent where something that comes out of this is going to help society in some important way. And so after the 2013 flood, I was specifically working with the city of Longmont to understand what this meant for sediment coming down into an important water supply reservoir outside of the city of Lyons. It appears so, you've been fairly successful. What kind of things have you found so far? Well, we found that, that um, there was a portion of the North St. Brain that over 100 landslides occurred in a 15-kilometer reach that were directly a result of that intense four-day, seven-day rainstorm. Wow. That material ended up being delivered into a very narrow, steep river corridor, and it ended up in the water supply reservoir outside of Lyons. So we're trying to work with um, managers to understand what does that mean for the long term and how can they better manage the reservoir to accommodate this new sediment load. It was a natural event and um, and what it means for resilience. How can they plan for other things that can happen in the basin when they already have this big sediment slug that ended up down in the reservoir? Do you think that there is a way that people can prepare for these that doesn't interfere with natural processes but will still help us prepare for next time this could happen 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another phase of my project is to look at the restoration and how we think about preparing rivers to be resilient, to be able to absorb disturbances. And I mean, one of a big one is just give them room where we can. It's called freedom space for rivers in Europe, European scientists give that the term all the time so, so that they can yeah yeah and you can picture it so that you give it room to give rivers room to to migrate and to erode and so that it's not if possible you know, destroying critical infrastructure for example so there's some places where they just can't happen because there's buried pipelines and there's you know, roads and bridges but places where we can allow that we absolutely have to build that in so humans we can do a lot we can really do a lot to allow rivers um, space to increase it, the complexity the complexity of the channel what we call the plan form if you look at it from above the bed forms you know the the, the sort of vertical dimension allowing vegetation to grow in and and having lots of complexity allows rivers to then be able to take these big events better. And what kind of research are you currently doing right now? Well, I mentioned the research up at the um, Mount campus with a student of mine, but I'm also, um, I have two PhD students and we're looking at um, various aspects of how sediment changes channels downstream. And one happens to be in the Yampa Basin, where some headwater erosion in the um, late 1800s to early 1900s produced a sediment wave that ended up driving channel change and created a big floodplain surface that is now forested with cottonwood. And we feel like this is something that hasn't been examined yet, whereby these sediment waves drive channel change and it allows surfaces to then be vegetated and create these beautiful cottonwood forests. And the other is um, working at Southwest, working on Southwest Rivers, which another PhD student, and we're evaluating the effects of removing invasive vegetation, like tamarisk and Russian olive. So that, both sides of that spectrum. Both sides of that. That's exactly right. And there's a lot of um, nonprofits and watershed coalitions and, and um, federal agencies that are removing this vegetation for various reasons, for habitat to increase channel floodplain connectivity. And by removing that, that's a disturbance in itself. And so if big floods come after all that vegetation is removed, that sediment that's sitting there, unstabilized, is going to move downstream. And what does that mean? Wow. So we're getting towards the end here. Um, you recently, we, we heard of you because you, you got a little uh, little bit of a buzz about you and some, some news publishings on source.com. So now that you got some, some, at least for the, you know, you got some real attention on you and your work, uh, what are your goals? What do you want people to know about what you do and what you would like to do and what you would like to accomplish? All right, well, um, one, that buzz got me on the radio station, so that feels pretty good. Um, <laughs> but what I would like people to know um, about what I do is I'm really trying to focus on rivers and how we can treat them as ecosystems. So rather than just pipes or conduits that move water and sediment, but really as the complex ecosystems that they deserve because we're losing resources as more and more flow gets removed from rivers such that we're never going to be able to return. And um, population growth and increasing water demand means that we, you know, there's times that we have to actually act to preserve some of these rivers in their natural state. So the other thing I'd like people to know is that um, I'm going to Iceland for my sabbatical in the fall because I got awarded a Fulbright. Congratulations. Yeah, so I'll be studying the rivers in Iceland and looking at the effects of their afforestation efforts wow. on channel stability. That should be incredible. Yeah, so pretty exciting. 
Alrighty. And if people want to learn more about you, follow your trip to Iceland, or just learn more about how to get into geology, like you were talking before about, where can they do that? They can email me. My email is sarah.rathburn at colostate.edu. You can find it on the geosciences department website. I'd be happy to talk with anyone who's interested in geosciences as a hobby, as a potential major, as a career. Um, and we are always looking for volunteers to help in the field. So help Kevy carry heavy gear and put on some waders and potentially get wet. Hey, sounds fun. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It has been a real pleasure having you in the studio today. Thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to have Ryland and Todd with your campus news and then Ren with your local holidays for today. <laughs> Don't go away. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review here in 90.5 KCSU. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. We just heard from Sarah Rathburn, who is a fluvial geomorphology professor at Colorado State, doing some really cool stuff. If you missed that, you want to check it out, you can find it on our new and improved website, kcsufm.com. And it's awesome live stream, which pops up right when you get there. And I'm looking into the camera right now. So hello, world. Yeah, and if you're passionate about rocks, just like Sarah is, you can go ahead and tell us what your favorite kind of rock is at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278. And if you're not that passionate about rocks, maybe you're passionate about music. You can go ahead and let us know if rock is your favorite kind of music and what kind of rock. Absolutely. Let us know. We're definitely interested. Please let us know. And also, if you didn't know, uh, our show is available in podcast form on iTunes with a new episode every time we do a show. Just go to KCSU on iTunes and then the news podcast. That's us. But speaking of news, we have a little bit to give to you with our very own local reporter, Rylan Todd. Hi, everyone. Yes. No, it's okay. Um, Hi, everyone. This is Rylan Todd with your campus news for Tuesday, March 3rd. Colorado State University wants to remind students to report any unlawful sexual behavior to campus police. Since the start of the second semester, two safety messages have been sent to the university community regarding such behaviors. One occurred off campus in January. The other occurred on February 15th at Summit Hall around 10 p.m. The on-campus incident involved a man looking into a woman's dorm room window. The man showed the woman his phone through the window displaying lewd images. He yelled and made sexually suggestive gestures at her. Although police were unable to locate a suspect in the area, he was described as a middle-aged man with a beard and a darker complexion. He was wearing a flat-brim baseball cap. Anyone with information regarding this case is asked to call Colorado State University's police department at 970-491-6425. The university's public safety team urges students and faculty to watch their emails and text messages for updated safety alerts. To sign up for alerts, visit safety.colostate.edu slash communication during emergencies. For more information about interpersonal violence, how to report it, and how to help someone who may be affected, visit safety.colostate.edu slash resources for students and employees affected by interpersonal violence. There are also confidential support systems on campus. The Victim Assistance Team through the CSU Women and Gender Advocacy Center is a 24-hour confidential service for survivors of interpersonal violence and their loved ones. The 24-hour hotline is 970-492-4242, or drop-ins are welcome 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday in the Student Services Building. The CSU Health Network also provides confidential medical and emotional support services for students. Drop-ins are 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday, or make an appointment at health.colostate.edu slash making a counseling appointment. 
Yesterday, President McConnell released a statement regarding the coronavirus. Due to the many strains of coronavirus, this type is being referred to, to specifically as COVID-19. In her statement, President McConnell said, I know that many of you are frightened and unsure. I want to assure you that we are doing all that we can to address your concerns. The University Health Network is working closely with partners from Laramie County Health Department, first responders across the city and county, the City of Fort Collins, CSU System Offices, and the Colorado Department of Higher Education. This is helping CSU to stay on top of new developments. The university is also gathering current information and best practices from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For students and faculty who are abroad, the Office of International Affairs is monitoring the countries and communicating with our fellow RAMs. President McConnell concluded her statement with a reminder to the university community. I asked you in January to please be mindful that our Chinese students may have family and friends in China about whom they are worried. Since January, this coronavirus has spread worldwide. Let's be mindful and support all of the members of the CSU community who may have friends and families in the countries impacted. We always care for one another and rams take care of rams. I urge you all to make a special effort to reach out to these members of our community right now, ask what they need, and show that you care. I also urge you to remember that COVID-19 is a public health issue. It is not the fault of any person, any country, or any ethnic group. We have been hearing from some of our students, faculty, and staff who identify as Asian and Asian American that they have been subjected to hateful and xenophobic treatment these last few weeks. This treatment, whether via words or actions, publicly or privately expressed, is racist and wrong. Please care for one another. The Public Safety Team and Health Network will continue to send updates via email. In the meantime, they say to avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses, including the flu, everyone should wash their hands often with warm soapy water for at least 20 seconds or use hand sanitizer, avoid close contact with people who are sick, remain at home if you are sick, avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands, and lastly, cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue or with the corner of your elbow. For updated university responses and more information on the coronavirus, visit safety.colostate.edu slash coronavirus. And that's all for your campus news for today. You are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rylan. Yeah, thank you. You know what's so funny is that apparently, I, I thought this was a joke, but apparently it's serious. Uh, a large percentage of Americans refuse to buy Corona beer because oh, yeah. of the coronavirus. Oh, goodness. And uh, Corona beer is actually having some serious, serious losses right now because of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that they're named the same thing. If anyone knows why, go ahead and text it. And maybe Ryland knows why they're called oh, the same thing. No, I was just going to say that um, I've also heard that there's some been some issues with some airlines, too. Like the... I heard something today that the like stocks and stuff for airlines have gone way down. Yeah, well, all of the the yeah. uh, stock market has been plummeting ever since the president announced his uh, coronavirus plan. Yeah, uh, the stock market has been in free fall. It's uh, we've actually had the worst uh, days of market losses since the recession. Um, but it is it is an interesting thing. I do think the name coronavirus has been around for much longer because it it does like Rylan was saying it is a classification of virus, not just. Uh, this one specific one, but it's a wider classification. I did love, though, the uh, Corona's tweet to at CDC, we'll pay you X amount of money to change the name to the Bud Light virus. <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. 
Um, but yeah, thank you, Coda, or not Coda, Ryland. That's the second time I've <laughs> yes. done that, and I was, I'm really sorry. That's like a very natural response for me because I'm always thanking Coda because Coda's it's just right. like. You caught yourself this time. So yeah, it's at least right. I, I, like last time I didn't notice, and then after you left, and it was like Max, <laughs> and so at least I caught it this time. Well, thank you, Ryland. Yeah, from no the problem. Of of from the hearts. bottom of our hearts, <laughs> Ryland Todd, our reporter, thank you so much. Yeah, Ryland no problem. Todd. You can find <laughs> more of Ryland's work on our website, kcsufm.com, as well as all of our beautiful faces. Don't worry, on Thursday, Ren will be sitting in this chair, not me, so it'll be a better live stream. Um, but speaking of Ren, Ren, what day is it today? It is Tuesday, the 3rd of March, also known as Super Tuesday. Woo! Woo. Um, Coda talked a little bit about it, but um, people are voting for the primaries in Colorado today. So if you missed uh, all the places, you can still vote before 7 o'clock. Coda talked about that, and that was on our live stream. Yep, and since if you might be in a hurry, you can go to Durrell if you need a vote. Yeah, you can go to Durrell. You can go to the... Even if you're not registered yet, you can still go to Durrell. You can go to the Larimer County Courthouse, where I'll be for the rest of the evening, counting all of the primary votes for the next 10 hours, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're not saying who we voted for, but do we all vote in here? I did. I will after this. Nice. Ryland, did you vote? No, I haven't. (laughs) Gotcha. That's okay. Yeah. Alrighty, but... Uh, since today is still Super Tuesday for the next math, um, seven hours. Uh, polls closing too, but yeah. But it's still it's technically Super, Super Tuesday, Tuesday for the next seven hours. Um, that's not a national holiday, but it is only fitting that one of the national holidays today is patriotic. So today celebrates the day the United States adopted the Star Spangled Banner. Written by Francis Scott Key, the Star Spangled Banner became the national anthem in 1931. Um, and that's all I have about that. It's just National National Anthem Day, which is a mouthful. Um, on a more wholesome note, tough. <laughs> maybe you're just not good at whistling. Maybe I'm just dehydrated. Ooh, that's okay. Oh, <laughs> on be a more nice, wholesome be nice. note, uh, today is I is also National I Want You to Be Happy Day, which is Aww. the cutest national day I think Aww. I've ever heard. Uh, this day encourages us to do something that makes others happy. Do something, Doing something to make someone in your life smile, and you just might end up smiling too. Very cute. Uh, today is also National Soup It Forward Day. Uh, Soup It Forward encourages us to deliver kindness a bowlful at a time. Soup can provide nourishing warmth, and by making soup for others, you can provide a warmth in a different way. And on theme with most national holidays, we have a couple food-themed holidays as well. So it's National Cold Cuts Day, which is my favorite style of meat, and <laughs> National Mold Wine Day. So I'm, I'm curious, because I, I need some justification for that one. Is it really your favorite style of meat? Yeah. Why? Salami. Yeah, you like cold cuts, you know, salami, turkey, pepperoni, pepperoni you know, some nice cold roast beef. Um, is that real? I just, I just want to know, is that really your favorite kind of meat? Yeah. Did you, did you, I, I'm I, don't, I didn't feel like I was going to get attacked by it. I know, I'm not trying, I'm just trying to understand because I'm like, I'm like, I like cold cuts, but steak or like sushi or like, I, I just I want, know. I just want some, I just want some, just... some justification. I, I. I just like them. I don't know. I didn't have What's to... your favorite kind of cold cut? I like yeah. salami. Yeah. A lot. I don't know. I just really, it's easy. It's always there. It's true. It doesn't require any prep. Yeah, it doesn't require any prep. Like, you can just have a summer sausage, which I think technically qualifies as a cold cut. Like, I think so. Um, and you could just, like, chop it up and have it as a little snack. But, like, other meats, uh, you have to prepare, which I'm lazy and poor, so I like me some cold cuts. Fair enough. Can cats have a little salami? Um, I don't know. I don't have a cat. 
It's a meme. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> There's one more date today, right? Nope, that's oh, it. Nope. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ren. Yeah, um, but there is one more thing we do have to address before we thank everybody on the show. And it's just, it's been bothering me, and I don't know what it is. I can feel it. I can't feel it, and that's what's bothering me. There is something in the air. It's time for the weather. I love that so much. All right. So today it was cool and clear with a high of 30 degrees and not a cloud in sight. Honestly, I'm surprised the high was just 30 degrees. It felt like 55. It felt nice today. Nicest day in a while. It was awesome today. Uh, tomorrow the high for the day is going to be literally 60 degrees. And uh, Thursday the temperature is going to be a high of 53 with the sun shining all day. So it's, it's going to be a really nice week, honestly. Now it's time to get outside. I'm going to take my dog for a walk because she hates the cold, and so this is this is perfect timing because who knows when it's going to snow again. Play some play some sports. Uh, go hiking, you know. Now, I feel like, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I appreciated this, uh, or I, I didn't appreciate this winter very much. I really wanted it to be nice and warm again, and now I'm appreciating this warm stretch way more than I, I previously would have just because I have missed outdoors weather. I liked the winter a lot. I always like winter, though. I think it's really pretty and really nice. Yeah, I'm glad the sun's back. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. All right. But uh, that is our show for today. Uh, We have some people to thank. Heck yeah, we do. Starting with... Damien Castile. Thank you, Damien Castile. Yeah, thank you, Damien Castile, for making this song. I think we need to say his name one more time. Damien Damien Castile. He makes all the music we play. We also need to thank our reporters that were on the show today with Coda Babcock and Ryland Todd, as well as Isaiah Reyes, uh, who made that uh, beat piece that was at the beginning for sports and the women's basketball against Air Force game that happened earlier this week. Yes, we should also thank Julia Badalese, and those are two names we'll hear again when we thank the whole station, but for coming in and talking about Get Launched, and also Sarah Rathburn for talking about fluvial geomorphology and how it's more than just what Randy does in South Park. So thank you, Sarah. It was very interesting. Alrighty, I'll try and do this. Uh, Max usually does this, but you got this. well, thank everyone at KCSU. So Julia Battles, uh, Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, uh, Monty Daniels, Josh Kellogg, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn, Desiree Cruz, uh, Taylor Sandal, Sam Bonifay, Yasmin Conscious, basically everybody, everybody, everybody. I feel everybody, like I messed everybody, up everybody's everybody. name, you and I'm so sorry. You literally didn't mess up a single time. Um, um, you got those all right. I want to thank you, Ren, because A, you killed that. B, you're always killing it. C, you will continue uh, to kill it. Oh, well, I want to thank you, Max, as well. And you know what? I want to make you happy today because it's national. I want to make you happy (laughs) day. Uh, So have some cold cuts. Have a good day. And as well as as you, we have to thank you because we literally could not do this without without you. you. Thank you. And I think with that, we'll we'll see see you next time. time.